Fight Podcast. It's episode three. My name's Simeon. Hey, it's Ben. I'm Dale. So uh, the Corona Safe app by the Australian government has been uh, officially released now. So, um, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, we we're talking uh, in the first episode about uh, Apple and Google putting out their app, and they sort of still haven't released it yet. But yeah, um, Australian government's released theirs, and theirs uses uh, Bluetooth again. Um, to determine if you've come in contact with people uh, and then those two devices exchange um, anonymous Bluetooth IDs uh, which are changed every two hours uh, and are stored on device for 21 days uh, and then are deleted automatically from the app. Uh, And if you have corona, um, you are able to opt in and and upload your your data uh, of the people you've come in contact with the last... 14 days uh, and then that it'll work out who needs to be contacted um, from there. So the app uses um, a few things to determine who you are. So it's a name uh, which you choose to provide, um, uh, an age range, a phone number, a postcode, uh, as well as some things it does in the background of the app, um, This creating these Bluetooth IDs uh, and things like that. So yeah, that's that's come out. What do you guys reckon? What are you thinking of the the new Chronosite app? Have you guys downloaded it for a start or? I have got it myself. Um, I guess the bottom line is that it just doesn't work properly yet. The, it, it just doesn't function correctly on Apple. And yeah, there's a few. There's definitely a, a very few large things. population of Australia. Well, what? There's definitely a, a few things of people in place have iPhone? stopping it. Uh, I think it's yes, yeah, somewhere yeah. around forty percent of of Australian iPhones yeah. around there. Uh, I'm not exactly sure on the number, but yeah, there's a few things. There's about uh, just over three million Australians. I think it's closer to four million Australians have downloaded the COVID Safe app now, uh, and the government sort of says that they need um, at least ten million people uh, to for the sort of data to to start. Um, making any effect uh and it is an uh, it is a uh like it's not mandatory this app it's an opt-in system uh and that is you know i guess good but possibly if it was mandatory you know that would obviously increase the amount of downloads but uh yeah and scott morrison's come out and said um even though it is stored on an amazon server uh, on australian shores uh and it is stored by the federal government only the state governments that require the data will have access to it uh, and this means that no not Centrelink, Coland Security, anyone like that um, or the police will have access to your data uh, and they've said that this is enforced uh, with a legislation that's coming in hopefully in the end of May so I mean you know they've said that you know your your data is protected by laws so to speak uh, even though it's technically not at the moment uh, and I think that is also scaring some people um, away from using this app that there are no laws in place at the moment. But yeah, and so it's similar to the the Google and Apple app in terms of using uh, just um, Bluetooth. It doesn't use your GPS. However, on the um, Google or Android side of the app, uh, it does ask you for your location GPS data. Uh, and this is because of some features uh, in terms of... It, it asks for the permissions, yeah. Yeah, it also it doesn't necessarily uh, it doesn't necessarily track the yeah the, the actual location of you, but yeah. So that's out now. So what are you what are you all thinking? 
It's how many people have downloaded yeah. it so far? Have we got any numbers on how? It's three to four million. Yeah, between three, three and four million, I think. But um, yeah, I mean, I've downloaded so, it. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm on an iPhone, so uh, if it's running in the background, and that means if you're not physically on the app screen, uh, it is limiting um, on iPhone is limiting uh, the Bluetooth capability, and that's just security features built into the iOS um, of iPhones. And so if, you're, yeah, so if you want it to be working, you have to have the app open whenever you're out of the house, which is just infeasible for, you know, the majority of Australia. It uses, it uses a lot of battery from experience. It yeah, drains battery, because especially if you just have it in your pocket. Yeah, um, because your phone around. has to be open um, at the time. But um, on Android, which is a shame. it's not as... Not as um, inconvenient because it can just be running in the background when your when your device is locked. So yeah, what do we think, Ben? What are we what are we it, thinking? It, I guess for your battery issues, it it kind of depends on when you're really going to use it. So you're not really going to be using it at home, and the app only picks it up when you're interacting with someone within a meter and a half and for over fifteen minutes. So you're not really going to need it when you're out on like your casual walk. You're not going to need it when you're bike riding. It's mainly if you go shopping mm. or if you go to say like a haircut. I wonder how many, yeah, like you say, how often that is happening. Because unless you're like, you know, standing in line or at a hairdresser's, like you say, 15 minutes is a long time to be in one meter of someone unless you're actually walking yeah. around with them or, you know, particularly standing still for a long time. So, and, and also, you know, being on the iPhone side, I guess, you have to have the app open and the amount of times that you're standing in the line or t- getting a haircut and you're like, oh, just open the app. There's no incentives particularly to open the app. So I think if they had built in some things, some other features into the app, like maybe giving you news about coronavirus, this would increase the amount of times you're opening the app in public on public transport. I just they, sort of have a, they, they already have a separate news app. So I guess they could combine it. But So they do have some new stuff on there, but it's, yeah, like Dale said, compared to their other Corona-focused app, it's not as comprehensive. Mm. It's not as comprehensive, but it is also the... Is it the only government-available app on the market right now? I don't yeah, think anything. I, mean, I don't think anything else is actually released. So this is sort of a almost a beta test for the applications worldwide. Um, well, so there's a, there's an app in Singapore um, which this app is based yeah. off, uh, which is a Corona okay. tracking app, and they had the exact same problems uh, with iPhones. Uh, Just and so working, it's, yeah. it's interesting to see that the government chose to do this, knowing that it wouldn't work on, on um, like a large chunk of devices um, as well as on iPhones, you have to have an iPhone above an iPhone 10. Uh, and that is due to some API issues um, with Bluetooth um, capabilities. Uh, so yeah, you have to have an iPhone and above. So that is, that is three generations, three years of iPhones. Uh, I mean, you know, it depends again how, how often people update their phones. I'm not exactly sure on, on how many iPhone users are above iPhone 10s, but, you know, I, I would say it's not a lot. It's not, a, it's not the majority of people. So then, again, you're cutting out another huge chunk of, of users. I guess what's the alternative, though? Yeah, it's, no alternative. it's a good question. I think 
I mean, Google and Apple are bringing theirs out and they haven't yet, I admit, and maybe this is the sort of we need it now, but we, we don't have the amount of people we wanted uh, and it's been out for a couple of weeks now and, you know, news is obviously pushing it and talking about it and everything. So I feel like the people that are going to download it have downloaded it and we know we're near that, that 10 million, um, yeah. uh, you know, users. I, again, I don't know what the answer is, but I don't, I personally don't think this app was the right move. I, I think that, you know, the whole, the scare factor and, you know, this might be just media, but the scare factor on Amazon storing the data of being, you know, an American company uh, and, and therefore the, you know, US, the US government can ask Amazon for that data at any time uh, is a bit scary. And, you know, Apple and Google are also, you know, American companies, but there is some differences with the encryption level um, between between those companies um, from what they've said and, and, and Google and Apple came out when we were talking originally about, about this Google and Apple app. They've sort of said that uh, everything will be stored on device, nothing will leave your device, whereas this app looks like there will be things leaving the device onto this Amazon server. Do you think it's better than nothing though or, do you, or would you say nothing? Is I, think, <laughs> I think the the fact that the government is, is shown to be doing something is good. I just don't know if this app is the right thing to be spending their money on. I, I like, don't have anything off the top of my head to be like, oh, well, they should have spent their money on this. But it just, I don't think it's a shock that this app isn't working, especially coming from this government who have shown that they really can't be trusted with some user data, uh, you know, it, it, some past experience have sort of shown that it just, it, it's just a bit scary. And, you know, that might all be media. Well, you know, the media definitely doesn't help that. Um, and, you know, the, the classic headlines of Amazon's, you know, storing Australian user data is, you know, a great headline and, and, a, and a good read. And that does scare a lot of people. But I think that's the point is it does scare people. And then they're not going to be using this app and sort of, it seems like a bit of a waste of money anyway, but well, maybe we'll see. Maybe there'll be an uptake all of a sudden in, in how many people are using the app, but yeah. I don't, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, obviously it isn't as effective as it could be, but that's, that's up to, that's up to Apple and Google to, you know, push through their, the software that they're developing. But until that happens, there's just no alternative. And while it does rely on more people having the app active and installed, it's, it is something, um, you know, beyond just not going outside and wearing PVE mm. um, when you're in public spaces. Um, obviously, it doesn't protect you from catching it at yeah. the time, but it, it will help to identify yourself as someone who could potentially have it and it will lead to it can you know it can help lead to better testing more accurate testing um making sure that you know if, if you have interacted with someone with it you can get a test quickly done um you know without wasting tests and uh you know medical staff time yeah i'd be interested it's just it just hasn't been it just hasn't been executed to a level that it might need to effectively run yet but mm. it's just not possible it's just not something that's um feasible right now 
I'd, I'd be interested to see how much they spent on it. Uh, and, you know, it, if it was a large sum of money, then is that a waste? Uh, possibly. Again, is it is it not a waste just to be just to be saying, oh, we're shown doing something? Uh, I don't know. I guess you have to decide that as, a, as a, an Australian citizen if if it's a waste of money or not on this app. But I I would have liked Hopefully. to see them putting their money into some into some better areas. But look, I think I think that's an interesting point in in australia we just have such little cases and it's our our new cases is you know the new cases per day the rate is just going down it's plummeted you know there are no new cases in places like act um Mm. active cases people are recovering um you know at a good rate our our hospitals aren't overloaded. Yeah, yeah. So we sort of have a bit more liberty on, you know, the money, the places we can spend our money. If you're in somewhere like Europe, it would almost definitely all be going to hospital care and patient care. But yeah, yeah. So I guess we're like here and in Singapore and, um, well, other places like Taiwan, New Zealand, there's the luxury to be able to spend our money um strategically on on stuff like this yeah absolutely anyway must must push on uh to the next story uh is there a new i believe there's a new drone coming out ben yes last week (laughs) i found out there the new mavic air 2 dropped um when was it i think it was late last week so this is from dji yeah yep yep so they're yeah one of your top leaders in um in drones in more like consumer consumer drones uh, consumer drones yeah yeah so a lot of your photography um and all that good stuff so yep they've dropped the second version of their mavic and it's some quite interesting upgrades so their flight times have gone up by over 10 minutes from 21 minutes up to 34 which is quite impressive um Mm. i I think for drones, it is quite a struggle in the consumer market to get it over that, that half an hour time. So I think they've done a pretty good job there. Oh, well, that's a that's an issue with just it being too heavy from carrying a battery around, isn't it? Yeah, so I've bumped up the battery. It's up to a 3,500 milliamp hour battery. Um, and it is, yeah, about 130 grams lighter. Sorry, heavier. 120 grams heavier. Than the which original will obviously make Mavic up Air. That heavier. Sorry? Than the original Mavic Air. Yeah, than the original. Okay, yeah. Yeah, which obviously comes a lot from that battery. And do you think sort of, you, we were sort of talking last week that me and you have both had uh, drones in the past, uh, both DJI and fax. Um, and do you think that 30 minutes is long enough uh, off one battery or? I think it, yeah, I... For me, I had a Phantom 4 with three batteries, so I could get oh, pretty close to, you know, hour, hour and a half of... of across all three batteries. Across all three batteries. Yeah. Um, and I found that to be plenty, especially mm. if you're just using it for um, hobbyists. Yeah. Like in non-commercial use. Sorry, the, the you said you had the which DJI? Uh, the Phantom 4. The Phantom 4. And so is that uh, better or worse than sort of the one that just came out? Is it the... 
Oh, I'd say it is probably. I'd say it probably is better because I had the original Phantom Four, and that one's mm-hmm. a, a few years old now. Yeah, right. Um, so this will be competing a lot with. Um, oh, what's that fully autonomous drone that's coming out soon? Uh, by the a new, different company. Yeah, by a different company. Mm. So um, I'm Skydo. Oh, okay. But then the Skydo Two. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, like a lot more cameras, blue and black. I think it is, isn't it? Yeah. So that one retails for a thousand. Where the new, um, the Mavic. new Mavic is fifteen hundred. Okay, so a bit cheaper. And so, what do you mean? What do you mean, autonomous or autonomous? So pretty much, it's almost. Well, I've set it up so it's almost to fly and forget. So. You can either have a controller in your pocket or you can do it visually, it tracks you and it can guide around things like trees, obstacles without any user um, user interface. Yeah, right. And so is that, and, and can the Mavic do that at all? Or So the Mavic's got the second version of the obstacle avoidance. Mm-hmm. We'll obviously have to see in testing how that goes. Yeah, I remember my I had a Mavic uh, Pro, uh, which is they sort of put them somewhere just above the Mavic Air. Uh, the Mavic Air is sort of like the Mavic Pro's little brother, and um, and that had obstacle avoidance one, and it was okay at just stopping when it when it sort of approached something, but it it wouldn't go round it. It wouldn't really sort of help you go around it particularly it just sort of went oh there's something in my way i'm just going to stop here you have to sort of help me go around yeah Uh, yeah. i wonder if this new one um it sort of helps that and increases that and and allows you to sort of like you say fly and forget and just sort of be skiing or bike riding or doing whatever um yeah i see here it's got uh 18 and a half kilometers of flight distance yeah so that's a pretty big upgrade from the original yeah which is very fast that that's allowing it to go 18 and a half kilometers away from you yes yeah right um okay yeah i I wonder if there's a need to uh you know uh, to to go 18 kilometers from yourself ever uh, yeah well with all your current laws that would be a um (laughs) yeah but at least you've got the capability. Yeah, being able to see the drone from 18 kilometres might be a bit difficult. But um, Yeah, so they bumped up the camera as well, so you can do 4K up to 60 frames now, which is a good thing. Yeah, over, over 4K 30 of the original. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, I guess, yeah, it just depends then if you've got a <laughs> screen that's 4K to watch it on. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it. But, uh, yeah, right. So and do you think... How do you think sort of the consumer market of drone is going, uh, especially how these new laws have come in place around registering them and all everything? I think it's going in kind of like the, the spectrum of tech. I think it's probably going better than virtual reality. Yeah, okay. Um, is it the holy grail that we were promised? Not yet. Uh, is that future still ahead? Yeah, maybe. Again, it's kind of sitting almost with autonomous driving, um, mm. which probably it's a bit more similar to. 
It's pretty much just waiting on the regulation to catch up and deciding what individual countries want to do with their regulation. I know here in Australia, we've had a couple of big businesses. I think we had, was it Google? Was that in ACT? Yeah, they had a, they had a bit of a go out there and I think, I think they sort of did a few tests. A few of them were, you know, colossal failure. Others looked promising. And, you know, and, and this was in preparation possibly for some drone delivery ideas. Um, I think, yeah, on the on the sort of consumer side, though, it's, it's really just that people are so annoyed and they're so loud and obnoxious and everything that it's mainly getting away and, and, and pushing these laws um, and more and more laws. Uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting mm. to see if if how much this you know these new drones and, and especially this you know fly and forget kind of drones coming out these days. Um, you know, because I, I remember it's not hard to fly a drone, um, but to get those cinematic, really beautiful shots is difficult. I mean, you, you know, you can put it up in the air and be like, oh yeah, that looks cool. Um, you know, awesome, awesome angle or whatever. But, yeah, to get those sort of beautiful cinematic shots, it's just not viable at the moment. And I wonder if those sort of AIs that are coming into place uh, will increase that and therefore, you know, you don't need a pilot anymore and, and therefore more people will be like, oh, yeah, I'll get a drone to... I, I can imagine especially skiing and, and stuff with um, is a big one. Uh, yeah, that'll increase. But, yeah, I'll have to see. But um, have you had much experience with drones, Dale? Personally, um I've used a couple, a couple of photography ones, um, not owned by myself though. Mm. So just sort of giving, you know, giving them a test. Um, yeah, giving it a go. I, yeah, I guess beyond, beyond the, um, like the new angles you can get, I just, I mean, I'm not sure how, what, what sort of, um, like, you know, is the video quality really comparable? Like what's it comparable to? Is it, Similar to, to like a GoPro in quality or what, yeah. what sort of performance are you getting out of the cameras on, on something like a drone that's, you know, a thousand, so $1,500. These can do pretty much HDR across, I know it's definitely video. I think it's, um, photo as well. Photo as well. I'm not sure if the GoPros can do HDR. I'm not entirely sure compared to GoPros. I I would say from my experience, and they were normally the, the sort of first generation, not these sort of second generation drones, but it was it was comparable to your your iPhones and, and things like that. It was okay. it, I think it's more it's more about like you're saying the angles you can get and the and the, the sort of variation in shots rather than the actual quality. I mean, you know, it was very good quality, but it's a little bit of, as soon as you go over 1080p, 60, you know, as soon as you kind of go over the sort of phone screen, what you're watching on YouTube quality stuff for the, for the tech people, you know, and I am one of them. I, I am, you know, like, Oh cool. This drone can do, you know, 4k 60, you know, and there, and there are some out there, uh, you know, even bigger, better drones that can sort of are pushing 8k sort of, sort of resolutions. But I think it's more about the versatility of where it can go uh, rather than, uh, rather than the sort of quality of the of the cameras, but uh, yeah, all right. Well, new drone out, and uh, a little bit of news on some Corona, Corona crisis stuff. The new app, but um, yeah, well, we'll have to see see where it all goes and the the sort of horizon of 
of the corona crisis and and all that will be interesting to follow over the next couple of couple of weeks and months and all that. But um, yeah, if anyone would like to know any more about this, these things we're talking about today, we'll chuck some links in the show notes and for some more articles. But um, that was good to talk to you today, boys, about all this. Yeah, it's good. And uh, I think we'll wrap it up there, and we'll talk to you guys next week. All right, see you later, guys. See you guys. See you guys. Catch you next week.